Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. This is going to be another relatively short episode where it's just me speaking to you about a particular subject instead of talking with a couple of guests. Lately, I've been working on lining up some guests for future episodes, which will explore different engineering majors, career paths for engineering students, and firsthand experiences of what it's like to be an engineering student. Trying to work around everyone's busy schedule to set up a time to record an episode can be challenging, to say the least, so please bear with me as I work on getting those episodes to you. In the meantime, I think having a few shorter episodes that cover fundamental concepts about institutions of higher learning can be very helpful and definitely will give you more context to better appreciate the conversations that I'll be having with guests in future episodes. As I mentioned in the past couple episodes, this summer I visited a program at Cal Poly Pomona called the STEAM Academy, where I talked with high school students to find out what topics would most interest them. The STEAM Academy helps high school students from the local community to connect with other local high school students and gives them the opportunity to meet students and faculty from Cal Poly Pomona, as well as collaborate with people from industry through various hands-on projects. And I'll place the mission statement of the STEAM Academy in the show notes in case you're interested in learning more about that program. The visit to the summer program was great for me because I got to find out what aspects of college or engineering high school students would like to know more about. And when I talked with the students, they had a lot of questions about fundamental concepts related to institutions of higher learning. Many students did not have a clear understanding about how these institutions are structured. They may have heard certain terms like dean, department, chair, president, college, and so on, but not really know what these terms mean and how they impact students. So today, I'll give a brief overview of how a typical institution is organized. And before I begin, I would like to emphasize that everything I talk about today is for a typical institution in the United States that offers either undergraduate degrees, such as associate's or bachelor's degrees, or graduate degrees, such as a master's degree or PhD. So what I'll discuss today will cover the majority of community colleges, four-year colleges, and universities, but some institutions may differ a little. Also, I won't be talking about the complete structure of an institution, but only focus on those elements that are most important for students to understand when they first enter an institution of higher learning. It's my hope that this episode will give students a sort of framework that they can build upon as they get more familiar with their institution. So let's get started. The administrative head of an institution is usually called a president or chancellor. This person is responsible for making sure all parts of the institution work together as smoothly as possible, including facilities, faculty, students, staff, and so on. The president also helps prepare the institution to meet the challenges of the future by redirecting resources toward existing programs, maybe creating new programs, making policy decisions, and attracting outside funding and support. Many decisions made by the president will not just address the immediate needs of the institution, but will try to address the needs of the institution five years from now. Of course, there's no way the president could do all of this alone. 
he or she relies on many groups of people, both inside and outside the institution, to help create a long-term vision that will meet the needs of everyone that is impacted by the institution. Inside the institution, the president consults with other administrators, faculty, students, staff, and other groups to ensure the vision will match the institution's values and capabilities. Outside of the institution, the president consults with people from the local community, businesses, industries, government, and other groups to ensure the vision matches their needs as well. Once the long-term vision is established, policies and decisions need to be made in support of that vision. The president relies on the institution's many administrators and support staff to develop policies and actually implement those policies. In the show notes, I'll place a link that shows you the organizational charts of Cal Poly Pomona in case you're interested in seeing the different components of a typical institution and how they relate to the president. There are many other high-level administrators that make very important decisions for the institution, but I won't discuss them today because, as a student, you typically won't need to interact with them, and the specific structure of an institution below the president can vary significantly between institutions. Actually, as a student, you probably won't be interacting with the president much either, but since that person is the figurehead of the institution, and you will likely be receiving messages frequently from the president, I wanted to give you an idea of how the president fits into the structure of an institution. As a student, most of your time will be spent interacting with faculty and staff in the department related to your major. So let's talk about how departments are organized. I'll use my current situation at Cal Poly Pomona as an example. As I record this episode in 2019, there are over 1,200 mechanical engineering students who are pursuing a bachelor's degree in my mechanical engineering department. I am one of over 20 tenure-track faculty members in the mechanical engineering department who are responsible for overseeing the department's curriculum, in addition to our other duties such as teaching, research, service to the university, advising, and mentoring students. My department also has many other non-tenure-track faculty members who teach mechanical engineering courses full-time or part-time. If you want to hear more about the differences between tenure-track and non-tenure-track faculty members, I covered this topic back in Episode 6. Every four years, the faculty members in my department elect one of our tenure-track faculty members to the position of department chair. The chair acts as the department's advocate at various meetings around campus and handles a lot of the administrative duties of the department, such as managing the department's budget, scheduling classes, approving travel requests, meeting with students, and trying to secure resources for the department. As a student, you will often need to obtain the chair's signature on various forms that are required by the department. The chair is usually a full professor and has been in the department for 10 or more years. In order to help the chair with various administrative duties, there's usually at least one support staff in the department as well. Students frequently interact with the department's support staff to answer questions, help with class registration issues, turn in paperwork, and many other tasks. After the faculty member is done serving as chair, he or she will resume duties as a regular faculty member. In a future episode, I'll interview a couple department chairs to give you a better sense of what holding that position is like and how the chair impacts students. 
At my university, the mechanical engineering department is just one of seven engineering-related departments. We also have departments for aerospace engineering, chemical and materials engineering, civil engineering, electrical and computer engineering, electromechanical engineering technology, and industrial and manufacturing engineering. Each of the other engineering departments also has its own department chair. Collectively, the engineering departments are organized under our College of Engineering, and the administrative head of the college is called the Dean. At Cal Poly Pomona, we have eight colleges that offer degrees, all headed by their own dean. The dean acts as an advocate for his or her college to the institution's high-level administrators and tries to ensure all departments are provided with sufficient resources from the institution itself and through external funding. The dean meets with the department chairs frequently to understand the department's needs and concerns and must make decisions regarding how to allocate resources. The dean is usually assisted by one or more associate deans, as well as a large support staff. Deans usually have prior experience as a faculty member and as a department chair, and when a dean wants to stop being a dean, he or she has the option of becoming a faculty member once again. Before we end today, I want to help clear up some possible confusion about the use of the term college to indicate a group of related departments. So Cal Poly Pomona, which is classified as a university, and many other institutions use the term college, while many other institutions prefer to use the term school or division instead. Sometimes colleges, schools, or divisions are named after someone who made a large donation or was highly respected. For example, I received my PhD in mechanical and aerospace engineering from the Henry Samueli School of Engineering at UC Irvine. This school was named after Henry Samueli, who graduated from UCLA, was a co-founder of the semiconductor company Broadcom, and gave a large donation to both UCI's and UCLA's School of Engineering. All right, that's all for today. I hope this episode helped you form a clearer picture of how a typical institution of higher learning is organized. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a few ways to support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends, family, classmates, or whoever you think might benefit from this podcast. If you have any comments about this episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast at gmail.com and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I'll personally read each email and try my best to respond to all of them. Goodbye for now.